Are you struggling to hire diverse tech talent? After all, every organization in the world is now a tech company. And the ability to attract, hire, and retain tech talent from all backgrounds is critical to their success. Enter Hackajob, a reverse marketplace that actively vets engineers. We flip the traditional model on its head, meaning companies apply to engineers versus candidates applying to jobs, with companies getting an 85% response rate to candidates they reach out to, as well as exposure to tech talent that directly meets their organization's diversity objectives. Companies such as S&P Global, CarMax, and Sensor Tower are all using Hackajob. Why not join them? Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Go to hackajob.com slash cheese to get your free 30-day trial today. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Hello, Indianapolis! <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. How Dude, that? you're not at the halftime show of the Super Bowl. I keep trying I like, to tell you that. I feel like Dr. Dre. Then you got Snoop. More like the Rock, More like the Rock you got, right? You got Snoop and you got Mary J. Right? Is this my color or what? That's what I'm saying. This it's it's your color. color. It's your color. Excellent. Thanks for coming. Can we get an applause for the free beer and food from the folks yes. of color? Yes. Free beer and food for all of those who are enjoying the free Everyone beer and food. Everyone over there is like, we didn't get any free fucking beer. We're like, what the hell? Oh, free beer, food. Can we do F-bombs on a live show like this? Yes. Okay. Alexa says we can F-bomb. We're in a brewery. We're thanks, in a brewery. Hey, thanks again. Sun King. Give it up for Sun King. Sun King. Great Indiana Woo. beer. That's right, kids. We're unveiling the Chad and Cheese Lager tonight. The Chad and Cheese Lager? It's a little sweet. It's a little sour. It's less filling, though, than most regular <laughs> beers. And if you like free beer, including beer that's sponsored by Pillar, Woo! go to chadcheese.com. That got an applause. Delivered Chad to your front door, baby. Delivered to your front door. Chadcheese.com backslash free to get free beer from Pillar. That's right. And a Zoom tasting with us. And yeah. this is Mark, the CEO. Mark, what do you want to say about... Uh, the company, Free yourself, beer. your team, your lovely team. No, no, here. no. I want to. I want to hear the deep, dark secrets of, of Mark. I'm, I'm. I'm just scared right now. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm sat here scared, looking at you two, thinking, "What's not since the Revolutionary War has a Brit been so scared of a couple Americans?" That got a good one with beer. That was a good one. I like that. I, I was just saying, I'm scared right now. It's, uh, <laughs> you should be it's scared. a scary place yeah, to be no, next no, to you no, two. No, yeah, you, yeah. Your professionals do this all the time, so. I don't know yeah. what's coming up over the next Total hour. professionals. Total professionals. Yeah. Brewery. You can see it. Yeah. So a little background of, uh, about you. You, we, you have like 27 exits. Not no exits. Not quite. 12 kids. Go ahead. Let, let. Uh, I've started four companies. Um, so well, this is my fourth company. Um, I have two kids, uh, a very, very understanding wife. Woo. And uh, yeah, I love it. I love solving big problems. And, <laughs> And there you are live lots in of New big York. problems in the HR space. You live in New York, so welcome to Indianapolis. Thank you. Give Just a, a nice north. warm welcome Connecticut, to Connecticut. But yeah, thank you very Connecticut. much. It's the same thing. Connecticut, <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. I'm, I'm, my, my heart is now in Indianapolis after coming here every oh, month good. for the last, last year or so. Good it's a great yes. place. So give us the pillar uh, elevator pitch for those who haven't heard it or are aware of the company. Oh, man, I thought... You're I thought not you, just an awesome it, sweatshirt. It, it's lavender. 
Uh, Pitch so Pillar, Pillar is an interview intelligence platform. We help people get more understanding of interviews, what happens within interviews for um, coaching and DEI purposes. But for hiring managers, we give them insight into who the right candidates are to hire with yeah. no bias, faster, uh, and just in a better way. Let's take a look at current news and hiring. How do you hire in Ukraine today? Oh, man. Okay, we said no current news, didn't we? Or you, you just do current news. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't answer that question. I, I actually, one of, my, one of my companies, we did have about 200 or so people in Ukraine. We had people in Kharkiv. Ukraine is uh, amazing people. I probably need to email a few people checking they're all right right now. But uh, hopefully everything settles down in Ukraine. It's a, it's a great place, but Kharkiv's a brave place to be right now. So there's a, a bit of a theme on that, which is remote work. And everyone's dealing with a remote workforce. What advice would you give as a, as a CEO and a, a builder of businesses in the new state of work from home, remote, remote employees, like tips or tricks you got for the audience? As, as ever in any company, whether it's, whether it's remote or not, I mean, for, for me personally, it just comes down to being human, like understanding your employees, putting yourself in their shoes, making sure that they get what they need out of life, you're getting what you're, you need out of life. And just, uh, I've always built my companies with a, with a big focus on, you know, the team and, and building the team in the right way. And I think that goes whether, you know, everyone has their own issues. People are in war zones, people are dealing with COVID, people are dealing with all kinds of things in their lives. And as long as you're human about it and, and set yourself up in, in the right way to help them, I think you'll, you'll always be successful. Going back to remote, staying in remote, this is the time where we, I think we, we've finally opened up to where we have to be more human. We have to have more human connections. Not, I mean, not just with every day in our day-to-day -day interactions with employees, but with candidates, right? So your thoughts, I mean, especially being a founder and having to hire people, but also working with organizations who have to hire, tell me this is something that is going to stay. It's not something that's going to go away. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone believes it's going to stay. I mean, I've hired thousands of people now over the last 25 years. I'm old. I mean, I think some of the fundamentals have always been the same, but there are new ways of just better understanding candidates, giving them a better experience so they actually want to work for you rather than being forced into it, and giving more insight for the company itself to make sure you're putting the right people in, into, into the right roles. And I think actually the last two years have accelerated that movement by probably 10 years or so and give us the opportunity to do the right thing both by the company and by the candidate. So, uh, you know, a candidate should never get asked, tell me about that job five times by five different people and have that repetitive situation. They should have a great experience as well. And Okay, work from home isn't going anywhere, but settle an argument that Chad and I have. What are wages going to do in a work from home environment? Are you paying the same wages that a New Yorker would get to your Indianapolis staff? Or are you paying Indianapolis wages? And what should companies expect paying people no matter where they are, San Francisco, Toledo, Biloxi, Alabama? Preach, preach. What's, uh, what's your view on salaries? It's easier for me because I'm not a 100,000 person company with salary bans that I, have to, uh, uh, that I have to adhere to and those strict rules, which hopefully kind of, which isn't, very, isn't a particularly human way of doing things. So look, I, I think we pay, we pay people probably slightly above what you know, official market rates should be, uh, but we do that on purpose. We, we want to hire really good people in, into our roles and um, you know, we'll do anything in our power to get the best people in, in, into the business. And salary is one part of that, but I actually think that career progression, happiness in their role, 
challenging people, letting them advance, actually are way more important than salary when it actually comes down to, to job happiness. Like the, the numbers are, uh, are probably a little secondary to some, some of those things when people are actually in roles. But yep, you have to pay good things to good people, particularly in uh, today's environment. So I know you're not in New York, but New York, you may have heard, is now requiring companies over 40 people to publicize what the salaries are for those jobs. Oh, Lord. Is that something you're in favor of? And do you expect to see that more and more throughout the country? It's not something I've thought too much about. Like, it is what it is. Some things are in my control. Some things are out of my control. And you've got to, you've got to control the things you can. Am I in favor of it? I don't necessarily see a problem with it. Yeah, I, I, I don't mind. We run a pretty open culture, pretty open environment. If we have to publish things like that, we'll publish things like that. We'll deal with it. So you've been a founder four times over. Is that what I'm hearing? That is true, yeah. Okay, okay. okay. So let's get, in, let's get into some founder nightmares. What, what are some, <laughs> what what are keeps some you the, up at night, Mark? What are some of the biggest nightmares that founders see? I mean, because it, th there's so many different aspects. You, you, you deal with funders, you deal with staffing, product, Roadmaps. I mean, where do your night? I mean, I'm sure those are all nightmares. But where are your biggest nightmares? I'm gonna ask that question. What does it take to get a beer in a brewery? Could I? Could I? Could I get Alexa. a beer? Alexa, <laughs> give me a beer. We, we got it. We need a beer. Double up. Make sure we have tequila in it. Uh, all marketing people should be named Alexa. So you can go, Alexa, <laughs> send that email. Oh, don't, don't do that to her. You can't do that. Uh, I'll have a pachanga, please. <laughs> or a tequila. I love tequila. Double up, yeah. No, Pachanga, more, no tequila. more free sweatshirts from Alexa. Yeah, no, you're, 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 you're getting nothing now, Joel. Not for you. Not nothing. for you. But that was bad, Alexa. I did not like that. Uh, founder nightmares. Okay, so apart from tanks rolling into the town, which you employ a ton of people. Yes. Apart from that. I mean, as, as a founder historically, I mean, things have changed over the years, right? So it used to be, it used to be funding and money. Like, genuinely, the thing that would keep you up at night would but be... But not now. Um, not so much nowadays, no. I mean, it's, uh, it, it's a much easier sort of space to, to raise money in. And I know I'm going to be able to pay my team and, uh, you know, we're going to be okay. And I know we're going to be able to invest in our product and that's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, like genuinely, and not saying this because I'm on this podcast, it is people. It's like finding really good people has become so, so important, not just for founders and growing a company where, you know, everyone I hire from like zero to 10 people are going to, you know, they're going to define the culture, the work ethic, the, the, the company that we have as we grow to 100 people, um, and they're going to do it as we grow to 1,000 people. Um, so fundamentally, you know, through every stage of founding a company, like people are super, super important. I think the, the one thing that you see nowadays is even big companies are starting to realize this. And look, CEOs have been saying this for years, right? CEOs go, go up and they stand on stage and say, people are the most important part of the business. And they lie. Which is total bullshit. They lie. It's, it's total, just like... Total bullshit. It's, yeah. It sounds like, great, though. It sounds great. It does sound good. But the amount put, that they put have... Put shit on a bumper sticker. Yeah. The amount they've invested in people is farcical compared to, you know, sales and customers and all these other things which are supposedly less important than the people that work for those companies. So, but now I, I, you actually kind of start seeing them realize that that lack of investment is, is hurting them. Uh, they're struggling to find really good people and you know, they're gonna have to do something about it. So you know, I don't think it's just for founders, I now think it's for every company that people are, 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 the real, uh, are the real sort of focus, the real thing that keeps me up at night. So I love how you say the first 10 people you hire are gonna define the culture of the business. And I think most of our guests are beyond the 10 people. Mm. But I think in terms of culture, to go back to the work from home, I think companies are struggling with how do I build, maintain culture 
when everyone's at home. Do you have any tips for how to how to combat that? Yeah, look, I think um, culture doesn't come from one person. Uh, we're, we're, we're past the 10 people mark as well. We're, we're, we're growing, growing quite nicely. But we still do, we're still very human about what we do. Oh, there it is. Thank you, Alexa. Oh, a, a tequila and a beer? Wow. Tequila. I'm spoiled. Yes. I'm spoiled by my That's team. That's why you ask Alexa. He'll need it for our she show. She delivers. That's culture right there. She, she, knows, she knew exactly what I wanted. Thank you, Alexa. So, look, we, we, we do a lot. I mean, just because you're at a distance doesn't mean you can't be human, doesn't mean you can't get to know your, your team. It maybe takes a little more effort because you're not sat next to them in the office. For us as a business, we get together very regularly. Once every six weeks or so, we'll, we'll all come together. Um, we will do, uh, you know, do our thing. Meeting do, in person, you'll get meeting together. in person, team on sites, team on sites. So, um, you know, even remote companies, I think, you know, you don't, you don't ignore the cost of an office. You spend that on getting people together and uh, uh, and, and work, working together say in that person. Again. No, say that again, because I think many companies look past that and they think that there's a savings and that savings should actually be used to be able to bring people together. Now there's, there's productivity in remote, working from home, so on and so forth, but say that again. Yeah, I mean, there, I, I don't see that there's any savings for a company in, unless you're maybe a, a huge, huge scale in people working from home, because really that budget should be transferred into getting the team together, making sure the culture's there, getting, giving people, like, we have social events, we're doing this, we, you know, we, um, we, we all come together as a team to make sure that we know each other, get along with each other, and can work hard and, and just have each other's back as team members, proper team members. Um, so yeah, there's, there's no savings. There's no money savings. So even before the pandemic, just want to put this out there, Airbnb spent over a million dollars every year in bringing everybody into San Francisco <laughs> to be able to do what Mark's talking about. These, these innovative companies, I think, is amazing. Which they'll easily make back with Chad's new Portuguese bungalow, by the way. <laughs> just so everyone knows. That's just the commission on it. That is, yeah, that's just their take on that. <laughs> We won't even talk about Chad's take. It's commercial time. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions? And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chad and Cheese has a new LLM? <laughs> No, Cheeseman. I'm talking about Text Kernel. Ah, okay. That makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text Kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways. TextKernel brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. TextKernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey, kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data. I mean, that, that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener. 
Get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit TextKernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mm, nachos. <laughs> Human resources is supposed to be about humans. I mean, it's right there in the name. But when your hiring team is more like an assembly line glued to their computers, manually posting heaps of jobs everywhere they can think of, that human part feels nowhere to be found. This is a new era. Pando IQ takes the mind-numbing copy-pasting and nerve-wracking guesswork out of the job posting process. When you plan a hiring campaign with Pando IQ, you tell us who you need. Then, before you ever spend a cent, we predict what it will cost to find them. Pando IQ chooses the ideal recruiting sites from thousands of options, targeting the ones your next great hire frequently visits, then fires off your ads at precisely calculated times, surfacing the most relevant applicants for you to pick from. Now you're free to get to know the best talent, build great teams, and take care of your humans. Pando IQ will do the rest, so you can get back to doing what the computers can't. For more information on Pando IQ, go to pandologic.com. That's pandologic.com. It's showtime. You mentioned money and raising money and how easy it was. And it seems like Chad and I every week talk about another unicorn. We talk about another company getting tons of money. Is that sustainable? Like, at what point does the back break on the unicorn birthings? Or like, what's your take on that? Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question. You're putting me in a spot. I think the market is in a unique place right now. You know, can I see that being sustained for the next couple of decades? No. Uh, it strikes me that there's a lot of money pouring into businesses that won't be successful. I think at an early stage, the, the outset of, of taking tons and tons of funding is not a good idea. Uh, because it distracts you from actually finding your true market fit and you know, listening to customers and really building the business in the right way. You need focus, and having a lot of money actually sometimes distracts from that focus in the early days. Um, but as you scale, the money, the money does help. When you found that focus and as you scale the business, it does help. But you need to get that proof first. I think there are a lot of businesses that don't have that proof that are getting a ton of money that are going to collapse. Um, no doubt about it. Talk about, no, talk about that real quick because we, we see unicorns taking a shit ton of cash and you know that's going to impact the roadmap. You know that's going to impact the, the focus, right? What do you do as a founder to be able to ensure that you don't take too much money so that you don't lose too, control, too much control? I mean, that's, that's going to be hard for most founders, especially first or second time founders in this market. Uh, yeah, look, I think it's very easy to be, as a founder, to be complimented and distracted by big checks. Uh, but it's not always the right thing to do. Now, big checks are, are the right thing at the right time of, of a business where you know you have a good customer base, you know you're building the right thing, and you just need to accelerate that business. Uh, but I think where the problem lies is where companies are getting funded where they don't have that. They don't have the answers to all the questions yet, but they're still getting those big checks. They've got great buzzwords. They've they got, got great they've buzzwords. They've got AI, they've got DEI, they've got automation. Yeah, so is everyone. So yeah, is everyone. Exactly. How do you apply it? So, so yeah, I mean, I think uh, taking it to too early, too early a stage is, is a very big mistake. Building the company in the right way from the ground up um, early is, is right. Um, and then accelerating when it's the right time to accelerate is, 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 the right, is the right thing to do. And we'll see how the market shakes out. There's a lot of money still in VC, and it will take years, a decade more maybe to realize some of the errors of our ways as 
as it has done in finance in you know over 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 history as well. Yeah. So we we know that you have a love for interviewing tech around interviewing. What's your favorite? You mean tech not interviewing with outside us outside of interviewing? Different kind of interviewing. Di- okay. Different kind of interviewing. What's your favorite type of tech outside of interviewing? What do you look at and think that's cool as shit? What can we do just, to pers- just say metaverse? I, just I, say it. I, I was I was going to say just if say I, metaverse. If I say metaverse, you guys are, you guys yes. are probably going to stick a stake through my heart. Don't do it. We're going to build a Don't metaverse for interviewing. There's no way. No. Yes. <laughs> I generally I I look at things and I look at I, what what got me into this space honestly is I think there are big problems with the way companies deal with people and I want to solve those problems. Um, and I think that you know bringing more humanity into the way companies treat people, bringing more humanity into the interview process where genuinely over the past few decades I think candidates get a really crappy experience. Um, I think is uh, is an exciting problem for, for me to go and solve. You did say outside interviewing, but I kind of brought it back to Do you like the way I did that? <laughs> Very good. You, you could be a great politician. <laughs> That's awesome. You're a Brit living in America. So I think you have probably a unique take on the global a global perspective. And Chad and I talk a lot about the rise of, th- of South America, of India, and even of, of Africa. We have a, a European show. If you are interested in Europe, you should check that out. But we're talking a lot more and more about companies in Europe getting money and wanting to come to America. Do you have any, any take on sort of the competitive landscape globally and how companies should look at that? Yeah, is this going out in Europe? Because I don't sound anywhere near as intelligent We have in listeners <laughs> everywhere except Antarctica. I'm kidding. Look, I mean, the world's a much smaller place. It's a much smaller place now than it even was five years ago. Um, you know, I remember, you know, I moved to America 12 years ago. And really, if I wanted to make my company big 12 years ago, I needed to come to America and I need to crack America and, and build, build a good business here. Now, I think with the, the way, and even over the last couple of years, the way the world has shrunk, I don't think that's, that's necessary. Like with a global workforce, um, you, you can do it. I do think the world is still very different in different markets. Um, and a big failing of many companies is not realizing that. Um, not realizing that even, you know, I'm from England, even the market in, in Great Britain is very different from the market in America, even though we share a language, almost. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, making sure that the product is right in, in each of the markets you serve, I think is absolutely crucial. Even more so when you get into different cultures like India and South America and, and so on and so forth, yeah. That has to be much harder in Europe than it is coming to the US, although most companies who didn't start in the US, they started in Europe, trying to invade the US from a, from, from a, from a tech standpoint, they have problems. They do. What's, what's the big problem? So when, when, I, when I moved my, com- my company originally from, uh, from the UK to, to the US, uh, I was told it was a graveyard of UK companies and I shouldn't do it because it's hard and you should you They were right. They were right. No, they were right, actually. There was a lot of companies uh, that, uh, that just failed in moving across. And it's all about listening to your customer. It's about listening to your customer, listening to your market, finding out what the differences are, um, and truly making a, a purposeful intention that you have to invest in the country, not just continue to invest in the product how you always did it. Because like, truly, there, there are different cultures, um, and truly, the product operates in different ways. There's different go-to-markets. You know, every part of the company um, is slightly nuanced and slightly different. And it's those nuances and, and differences that differentiate huge companies versus companies that fail. So do you see it as an advantage coming from Europe, which is a bunch of different countries? Into, only if you speak American. Into, into the U.S.? 
or do you see the the other way around coming from the US and trying to penetrate into Europe? What where do you see the advantage? I don't think there is one. Yeah. Why, 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 would there, why would there be an advantage one way to another? It's all about execution and how you think about the country, how well researched you are about the country, um, and then making sure you execute in the right way that fits that market. Look, America has a very positive thing is in it has scale. So you can build a good company, you can build a very profitable company relatively um, successfully um, in the US and use that scale, but you still need to adapt that company and that product for other markets. You know, it can, it doesn't necessarily need wholesale changes, but if you don't listen to the market, you will not be successful. So we have a few vendors here in the audience, and I'm curious because I believe this is your first time selling into HR, TA, employment. You're from a marketing background, right? Marketing, SaaS products. Marketing, so what, analytics. What is yeah, your take yeah. on selling to employers versus marketers? Step lightly. Step lightly. I'm, I'm scared to answer this question now, by the way. Um, Fundamentally, fundamentally, the basics are the same. If you're solving problems for your customers, they will, they will buy your product. Yeah, it's, not, it's not a hard sell no, no matter what, what you do. I think there are differences. There are differences between departments within organizations. Marketing departments, for example, are very, very experimental. They'll go and experiment with something, and if it doesn't work, they'll never touch it again. Other departments are, are not quite so experimental. But I think that, you know, if as long as we go about making sure that we add value to every user that uses our platform, we'll, we'll do just fine, no matter, no matter which part of the organization we sell to. So Alexa, we can keep asking questions. I don't know if we want to throw it to the audience for questions. I'm happy to, I'm happy to work the mic if you want me to. Any he questions? Works, works the mic. Or you just want to hear us keep talking He actually and works a really good LinkedIn poll as well. By the way, keep drinking because our show's a lot better the drunker you get. Any questions? Josh Akers. Big surprise. Do you want to say who you're representing here tonight? <laughs> okay, Oprah. <laughs> you win a... Ch anyway, anyway. Thanks so much, Mark, for coming, as always. But here's the deal. Why indie? I can't, I can't, I can't hear you. Why indie? I think that in this space, indie has a really vibrant scene, like, genuinely. And we have the fortunate situation that... Um, you know, our original backers were, were from Indianapolis, um, which got me into kind of researching kind of the, the HR scene here. And it's one of the stronger ones when you look at it through, through the country. Like, uh, there's a lot of experts here. There's a lot of talent that we can pull on for, for Pillar. And um, I'm really looking forward to building out, you know, more and more of, a, more and more of our team from here. So it's, um, it's a great, great place to be. I honestly, genuinely did not know much about India a year ago. But I've been here. No. Surprised. Say it ain't it's so. It's my surprise oh. face. Come on. I've been here, I don't know, 10 times in the last year, however many times it is. And I, I've really grown to, I think it's a great city. It, and uh, I'm looking he forward to spending more Mass time. Ave, but it's a great city. I, I have walked all over Indy. I'm big on that. I do a lot of thinking while I walk. I've walked all over Indy. <laughs> you, my friend, need a trip to Greenwood. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you got a question? Yes. Sure. It's commercial time. Are you struggling to attract the talent you need today? Do you lack visibility into where your recruitment ad dollars are really going? 
there's a better way. Acquire ROI is a programmatic job advertising platform built to optimize your budget and supercharge hiring. Acquire ROI automatically manages and measures recruitment ads across job boards so you can allocate your budget based on insights, not hunches. Get to quality candidates faster and cost-effectively scale hiring across roles, all while gaining complete visibility and control over your recruitment marketing investments. Say goodbye to manual guesswork, inconsistent performance, and wasted spending. And hello to optimized automated campaigns that produce qualified applicants. At Acquire ROI, we make job advertising easy. Visit us at acquireroi.com and start transforming your talent acquisition today. It's showtime. What's your name and who do you represent? Uh, my name is Claudine Sutton. I work for Carmel Clay Parks and Recreation. Um, there was a lot of talk this week. I believe I saw a lot of articles about paying um, candidates for interviewing. I've seen a lot of people um, do interviewing where they have to do large-scale projects. That's very time-consuming. What do you What do you think about that? Who's uh, paying people to interview? McDonald's? Like who? Okay. Yeah, they're they're. Yeah. McDonald's in we'll Florida. Get, yeah. They'll give you fifty bucks just to come through the door. We'll get into that in a second. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, in my world, maybe that won't happen quite as much. I actually want people to want to believe in my mission rather than do something because they're, uh, they're, they're, they're paid to be there. There are maybe other parts of like, other types of companies where, where that, that may work, but um, it's an alien thought to me because I, I believe that we are a, truly a mission-driven company. We, we do want to solve some big problems, and I believe the team that I've got now are, all want to solve those problems as well. And anyone I hire, certainly for the next few years as we grow to hundreds of people and thousands of people, um, I, I want them to be bought into the mission, not interviewing with me because I'm paying them 50 bucks. Yeah. So I saw a article earlier this week from Jack Kelly in Forbes that was specifically around that. Whatever you do, never read a thing that Jack Kelly writes. Overall, one of the things that we have to understand is paying people to interview is not going to fix the problem. The problem is behind the interview, right? The problem is retention. If you pay a bunch of people to interview and then they're out the back door in 60 days, how did that help you? We, as talent acquisition leaders, need to find out what the problems are. Internal mobility, childcare. I mean, there are so many things that we can do to ensure that we keep our people, first and foremost, before we ask new ones through the door. We pay new ones that come through the door. So two things, there's a line item that we have to think about in paying those individuals, and then also churn. Churn is gonna rise after that. So we have payment, and then we have churn. So we're doing nothing but raising the bar on the amount of money that we're spending, and we're not fixing the problem. Do you know that it was Jack Kelly that she read? Okay, all right. Jeremy, <laughs> say who you're with and then ask your question. Founder and CEO of Driver Reach. Thank you so much uh, for being here. Uh, the question is really about the applicant experience. I know that uh, the demand for talent is really strong and a lot of opportunities, a lot of people interviewing. And what I hear from a lot of friends is the interviewing process by and large is really painful. I'm talking seven or eight interviews, a lot of the same questions being asked. I mean, how do we as companies who are trying to attract that same talent, how do we improve that uh, that uh, experience. My word, was, was did, did someone from Pillar pay you to ask that question? Because that's just... <laughs> <laughs> that, Get that that's man a, a beer. Get that's that amazing. man a beer. 
I'm going to uh, yeah. I'm going to try and answer that without pitching us too much, honestly, because this is this is supposed to be a, you know a fair unbiased problem. It is a legit problem, and there, there is a legit problem. And the candidate experience has been ignored for way, way too long. And now everyone's fighting for candidates. People are starting to think about it. Um, so I think there's a, there's a very pertinent question as well. I mean, for a start, nobody should be asked the same question four times in four interviews. That's just a terrible experience. Uh, but genuinely, you need to get to know the candidates that you want to hire and show that you care about those candidates through through the interview experience put yourself in the candidate's shoes and think would you want to go through the, through that experience i think having a structured coordinated interview process goes wonders um, i mean we've seen candidate acceptance rates up by more than 33 percent now um, just by running a an interview process where you truly understand the candidate where you're running a structured process you're not repeating questions um, and then it's just making sure that there's some speed there right now. It's, it's a fast-moving market right now. Um, so anything you can do to accelerate that, that process will, will help you no end. It's Home Depot, right 24 hours. 24 hours. Which yeah, is long, according to Chad. It's <laughs> not fast enough. Then, then you've got to go through like what else they get outside of the interview. Are they kept informed? Um, are they are they truly receiving an experience that you would be proud to give them? The, ca the candidate is currently your customer. There's a lot that's gone into a customer experience, and there should be a lot that goes into a candidate experience as well. Yeah, and I think rebounding off of what you're talking about, if marketing understood the shit show that we put candidates through, they would go crazy because their brand, their brand is being dragged through the mud when we take them through several interviews, right? Or we take them through an application process that takes more than half an hour, which is ridiculous, right? So I think we need to think more of engagement and we have to care as opposed to think about more than experience, right? It's all about care and candidate care, much like we hear from marketing and sales, customer care, right? We need to care about candidates. There's a certain honesty through the process as well. Yeah. Like candidates are going through experiences where you know companies think they need to sell to candidates. They need to sell sell them on on things, and it doesn't always work. There is no job that doesn't have some bad elements to it. I don't care what what you say. There's 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 no job that hasn't. So why why wouldn't you be honest? I, I mean, got to work with Chad. There was, was such a layup that wasn't it? It was really it was it was right there. So you know just just being honest about the good bits, the bad bits, the future progression you're going to get, not just the now. Um, I, I think it's there, there's a lot that you could think about and improve with the process if you really sort of analyze it. Any more questions? Okay, one last from me. I sneak into Pillar HQ. I check out the whiteboards. Where is Pillar HQ? What, where, where is well, that? Well, you tell me. It's, it's <laughs> mythological. It's but everywhere. On the whiteboards, what would I see in terms of what's next for technology in, at Pillar? Well, we, we, had a, we actually had a session yesterday uh, with the whole team on, on planning out some of the, the big things that we want to do. We're, we're continuing with the themes of the business, though. Interview intelligence, making sure that hiring managers get everything they need to hire the right people as fast as they can. Interviewer coaching, we want to make sure that interviewers turn into pro interviewers. No one's been trained to interview. There's a lot of mistakes made, uh, and we want to make sure that those, those are eradicated as, as we go. Um, and then DI, making sure that now we're seeing companies get a good pool of diverse candidates into that top of the funnel, as, it, as people say, and, but they're all getting knocked out at the interview stage. There are reasons for that, and we need, to, we need to solve that problem. So those are the big three things for us right now. You can't solve that problem on the DEI side. It's Ned, who's the racist hiring manager, 
who's not high, right? So you can help. We, we keep looking for tech to solve these problems. And we have to understand that it, we have to solve the problems within as organizations, right? So how far can you go? Can you provide data to be able to demonstrate that that's happening? Ted can be, Ted can be made more aware of the problems that he's causing with it within an organization. And yes, we can provide coaching uh, with, with the tech to uh, uh, make sure interviews are more inclusive um, and the sentiment of those interviews are, are right uh, for the candidates that are, that are coming through the door. So um, yeah, absolutely we can help with that. I think the whole problem historically over decades now is the interview has been a black box that no one's been able to see into and those days are gone. Like they, they're, they're gone and they're never coming back. So companies need to be aware of that and they need to be aware of what's, uh, what's happening. Awesome. Everyone Thank you, give it up Indianapolis. For Mark. Give it up for Pillar. Mark, for those out in the audience that want to know more about Pillar, where would you send them? Uh, pillar.hr. We'll go pillar.hr all day. Fair enough. We out. We out. Thank you. All right, more beer. We still have food, beer, and tequila. Thank you for listening to, what's it called? A podcast. The Chad. The Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know. And yet, you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack, Swiss. There's so many cheeses and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. So weird. We out. You've got questions. We've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.